Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to another podcast episode of Disciple Making. Darren Ride, my friend, is with me, Tim Beadle. And today we're going to dig a little deeper into the uh, book of Ephesians. Uh, and you'll know in Scripture, one of the seven uh, letters that were written to the churches in the book of the Revelation was to the church at Ephesus. And uh, I'm really enthralled in those letters because God sort of commends people. And then he says, but I've got this one or two things against you. And for the Ephesians, who started off so well, he said, but you've fallen and forsaken your first love. You've fallen away and returned to the former things. And uh, today, Darren's going to lead us in a consideration of what those former things were in terms of just living a, a life that is called to a higher level. And, and what does a walk with Jesus look like if it's described as being worthy so uh, there, I've teed you up, Darren. You take us away, and uh, let's dig into Ephesians today. Sure. I, I know we loop through Ephesians a lot of times, partly because I am often speaking on it. In fact, if I ever do write another book, Tim, it may yeah. well be about the Ephesians church, because I'm just captivated with them. Such a solid church for so long, yeah. you know, that you know the letter, the letter to the Ephesians doesn't get after them at all, and then we have that letter in Revelation, so yeah. something went sideways. Yeah. And you know, if you, if you look at the book of Ephesians, it's, you know, beautifully divided into three chapters on the first half, three in the second half, three chapters of theology, and really identity is really what the first three are about in large measure, and then three chapters of application. But right in the middle, right at the start of chapter four, verse one, it says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And that calling is everything that's kind of talked about in those first three chapters. You know, all of the, all the things we've inherited in Christ and God's plans and now he says, okay, let's let's live this out. And I, the way I read it, Tim, the next the next piece here, I really see it breaking down. This is really giving away the punchline a bit. Three foundations, the way I describe it for this worthy walk. And the foundations are unity, maturity, and nonconformity. So that's that's where I think I'm going today. Yeah. Okay. I think uh when you hear that word calling, I'm wondering how many of our listeners really believe that they've received the calling from God. Hmm. Obviously, specifically uh, in terms of disciple-making, that's the focus of our podcast. But just generally, it's my hunch that most people don't think that there is a calling. Uh, sometimes I joke with people and I say, imagine, you know, the telephone rings and you aren't home and uh, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau leaves you a message and he says, um, I want you to come and help me solve the COVID pandemic. <laughs> Uh, please call me back. Or uh, here in Alberta, it would be uh, Jason Kenny calling the premier saying, can you help me uh, sort of figure out uh, the, the whole oil, oil patch and renewable energy thing? And, you know, when you would listen to those uh, calls, you'd say, like, why would he call me? <laughs> why would he call me? Uh, I, I'm a nobody. Um, but, you know, it's a lot of people think that in terms of the calling that they've received in Christ. Uh, obviously to go into the world to make disciples. And and they say, well, like, why me? And that's the point. God, hmm. he, he chooses everyone and calls us to a higher level than we are currently living. And he would never call that, Darren. I really believe this. God would never call us to a lifestyle and a level of living unless he enables us and empowers us to be able to do that. 
So it isn't like he's sort of dangling a juicy carrot out in front of us to keep us on the straight and narrow. He really wants us to see a bigger picture of ourselves than we already have. And I think you're uh, unpacking this for us in terms of this higher calling and uh, living a life that's worthy. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting in that context. That's a really good context laid out there. You know, right out of the gate at the start of chapter four, here's an issue that really I think is is a real need right now in our churches. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You know, and that talks about one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The theme is clear in those verses. It's about oneness. It's about unity. And that is something that maybe, you know, in our individualistic, sometimes disciple making, we sometimes forget that unity is foundational and essential. Yeah. Unity is the heart of the gospel message. That's why Jesus came the, the whole theme of reconciliation is one of unity, the atonement, bringing two back together. But unity means uh, it sort of lead, leads to a posture of humility. <laughs> That's what I found in my life because I sort of know what I think. And if someone isn't on the same uh, wavelength, then uh, there is immediate disunity. But that does not reflect this life, this higher calling. And I think one of the keys is, uh, you know, at the beginning of that chapter, it says, you know, as a prisoner of the Lord, what are we imprisoned by? Are we actually imprisoned by the Lord and his calling on our life? Or are we sort of just imprisoned by our own mindset, our thought process? And so when we talk about unity, we say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But we don't really strive and, and with all our efforts really lean into this. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that's where, I, you know, for me, this passage here where it, where it cuts cuts me, where it challenges me, is it talks about making every effort to preserve the unity. And I've, I, you know, for most of my life, really, I would say I'm, I'm a passive unifier. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not going to break things up or stir things up, but here it actually says, don't just allow unity to happen, but yeah. work for it to happen, which, which kind of gives us a clue <laughs> that maybe there's some effort needed, that maybe there's a constant need for, for reconciliation and forgiveness. And what's that fruit of the spirit in the King James long suffering, you know, <laughs> patience, to be long suffering, you got to be long bothered. And so we're, we're kind of in this grist mill with other believers where unity might not come naturally to us, certainly in the flesh. Yeah. You know, in scripture and in, in the uh, Beatitudes, the attitudes that we have to live into, it says, blessed are the peacemakers. Mm. It doesn't say the peacekeepers. Yeah. Uh, making peace is, it's a lot of work because uh, it's easier to keep the peace and defend what you're holding, but to make peace and to keep the unity, uh, we have to do some soul searching ourselves to make sure that we are imprisoned by the Lord leading us. And then we simply walk by the uh, rhythm and and, uh, initiative of his spirit to make peace with people. Hmm. And uh, I just think, you know, that's the second Corinthians five passage about, being ambassadors, an ambassador goes to try to make peace wherever, whatever country he finds him or herself in. They're there as peacemakers through diplomacy and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah. And, and I think, you know, as we move into the second foundation, I think for us to really fight for unity in this way, this second piece is is really almost, in my mind, comes in some ways before or leads to that. And that's the, the foundation of maturity. Because it talks yeah. about here, you know, about, you know, God gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers to equip the people for works of service. The body may be built up until we all reach unity. And then it, you know, then it unpacks more of what maturity actually looks like. It talks about stability, not being tossed back and forth by teaching. It talks about, you know, building each other up. And so this, 
this unity and maturity are kind of two sides of one coin. And it says here, actually, that's what Christian leaders are called to generate. And I think as we think about disciple making, this may well be the core passage. You know, what, why did God give Christian leaders to equip people to serve, to build towards unity and maturity? Foundational. Yeah. Yeah. When I think of maturity, you know, Paul writing to the Colossian church, out of prison, um, you know, chapter 1, verse 28, he says this. He says, uh, basically, I want to proclaim him and teach everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Yeah. There's this maturation uh, process. And I'm, I'm actually preaching this week on, you know, the four chairs, four, four chair discipling and mm. talking about that when we come to Christ, uh, we can sit in that next chair all of our lives just wanting to be fed. Give me more. And there's so much more that we have to learn. And the complexity of the world just bids us stay there. But maturity means that there's a shift in our heart and our soul from a focus on me to a focus on others. Hmm. And it's only when we start focusing on others that we actually grow towards maturity and faith. Oh, yeah. Well, even think of the whole point of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts have no real purpose for me personally. The gifts are for other people. And, yeah. and, you know, it says God gave the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So there may be a gifting tied to that, but they're gifts to the body as a whole. And that's, you know, maturity really is, you know, if we boil it right down to him, we know it's about becoming like Jesus. That's, yeah. that's the core of maturity. That's when we're disciple making, we're just calling people to imitate Jesus in character and in action. I think Bill Hull said, you know, a disciple is someone who lives their life as if Jesus were living it through them. <laughs> and uh, I think Max Lucado, uh, he uh, gave an illustration. He says, uh, can you imagine waking up one day and it's actually Jesus who's living your life? <laughs> you know, your boss is his boss. Your kids are his kids. Your challenges are his challenges. And I think it's only as we, as you said, don't be conformed to the image of this world. But we really take upon the mind of Christ that we become more like Jesus. And, and and the big question is, in terms of this uh, quest and trek and growth towards maturity, do we truly want to be like Jesus? Hmm. Because if we don't, then we'll never live a life that is worthy of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. It, it's we're, we're being called really as disciples and disciple makers to an integrated life. You know, not to a compartmentalized life where we do our church thing and our Christian thing and do the rest of our life, but we're like Jesus, you know, as we say in our little talk church, all in on mission with Jesus, that it's, that it's a 24 seven kind of thing. And, you know, well, what's Jesus like, you know, we could, we can look at the gospels and everything else. I often go to the fruit of the spirit yeah, as a summary of, you know, it's, it's the result of the spirit in our life and it describes Jesus so well. And so I often will think if you want to understand what Jesus is like, look at the fruit of the spirit, what he wants to produce in your life. Yeah, and I think uh, when I look at you know Galatians five twenty two and following, I always have to realize that I'm to bear the fruit of the Spirit. I don't produce it in my own strength, which means that I have to be in sort of a total harmony with the Spirit's work in my life, hmm. because I uh, <laughs> I have a habit of being uh, impatient from time to time. And once in a while, my my wife will say to me, "Hey Tim, fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit." <laughs> You know, just just to uh, remind me that I'm trying to be patient in my own strength, and that does not honor God, and that's not a 
a walk that's worthy because I'm trying to ignore the presence of the Spirit who actually conforms me into the image of Jesus, leads me into this high calling and a worthy life. I can't do it without him. Hmm. Well, I would say, Tim, we can't do it without the body of Christ either yeah, because well. if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, well, you look at the passage here, it's about building each other up. You look at the yeah. fruit of the Spirit, it, it's really not just about me. It's, it's all yeah. relational. You know, yeah. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. That's all about how we relate to other people. And yeah. what, what, a, what a litmus test for maturity. It's not how I feel. It's not how much time I spend Ooh. in the word in the morning, quiet time by myself. It's how am I relating to people? Am I like Jesus in my relationships? Yeah. So maybe the question isn't so much how am I feeling about me, but how am I doing about we <laughs> in the church? And, you know, towards the end of chapter four there, it talks about how we like ligaments. And I think we've spoken about this before, uh, but uh, this is the only time that this term ligament is used in the Bible. And we all know we have ligaments that, well, why do we have them? Because they protect joints and they're, they're sort of flexible to hold joints together and they protect uh, for the unity of the body. And so I think that's why that word's there. And uh, I take note of that now every time I see it, because I've studied what it means. And I say, am I protecting the body? Am I growing in maturity together? Uh, because so much of the world is about a individualistic journey. You be your own person. Well, that's not what the Bible says, that, that we are to be in unity with the body. Absolutely. Unity is such a huge theme. And so, you know, back to, to set context again, we got this high calling, calls us, invites us into this worthy walk. It's a walk of unity. It's a walk of maturity, growing more like Jesus. And then the way I sum up this next big chunk, in fact, I could really almost sum up the rest of the book with one word. I try to boil things down just for, you know, for my, my own simple little mind. I refer to it as nonconformity. Yeah. And the reason I talk about this next chunk where it gets into details of doing this and not doing that, because it starts out by saying, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, you must no longer yeah. live as the Gentiles do. In fact, I looked at the passage in the message and it talks about, you know, uh, don't go along with that. It talks about getting away from your old life, doing this no more, making a clean break, uh, yeah. living this way no longer. It's, it's constantly comparing what we're called to, to what we're being called from, what we're being called out of. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think for me personally, it's easy to get preoccupied with what we're being called out of. Mm. And then uh, in our own strength, okay, I can't be like this. I can't do that anymore. But I think, you know, as, as uh, you know, the actual book to the Ephesians didn't have chapter numbers in it. Exactly. <laughs> it sort of bleeds into chapter five that it gives us the answer, you know, be imitators of God, obviously of, of, of Christ. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Jesus loved us and gave himself as a fragrant offering. So so often we think that within ourselves there's going to end up being a vacuum if we don't follow what we're used to in the world. I would suggest this is where maturity actually happens, that when you yeah. remove yourself or decide in your heart not to be like the world, yeah. immediately the Spirit will fill us to the level of our emptiness, Darren, in hmm. terms of making us to be more like Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In a way, we're creating space. We're, we're withdrawing from that. There's creating space in our life for Jesus to show up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this is a powerful, just a power. Any, any, any uh, closing words on this one? Just yeah, a rich, just, rich chapter. Yeah, just a little more on this nonconformity issue, Tim. I think when it comes to personally following Christ, churches, you know, moving Christward, 
calling people into disciple-making lifestyle. This issue of nonconformity, I think, is a really big challenge. And I think the reason is our lives are on display so much now that yeah. people know what we believe. They know what's important to us. They know what we do if, you know, if we're involved in social media. But we want, as individuals, we want to belong. We want to be accepted. Yeah. We want to be, for lack of a better phrase, cool. We want, you know, and, and even the whole seeker movement of the church was in a way trying to be cool yeah, which is a good right. summary of a lot of that. But following Jesus <laughs> isn't always cool. I know. Yeah. And Jesus paid the price. He got him on a cross in Calvary because he didn't comply with the traditional religious list, pharisaical list of do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs. And, you know, when the Bible tells us to be in the world, but not of the world, uh, we usually scurry to the second part of that verse that says, okay, we just have to remove ourselves. That's not the point. The point is that we're in the world. Yeah. Uh, it's like an imperative in the world, but while you're in the world, don't be of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and that is a challenge, you know, and, and I think, you know, again, the rise of social media and our lives on display, yeah. what are, what are the greatest feared things in the public these days? It's being ridiculed yeah. or, you know, the latest phrase is being canceled. And we, you know, we don't want that. Those are, you know, in a very public way of living that those are the great fears. And we need to decide that we're willing to follow Jesus into ridicule and follow oh. Jesus into cancellation if need be, because I mean, you know, cancel, he was canceled in the, in the fullest sense of the word. Yeah. And I think for me, as I seek to follow Jesus myself, even though I, you know, from a lot of my life have been in quote vocational ministry, this is a challenge not yeah. fitting it and calling people what we're calling people to, to be upfront and say, following Jesus is about daily, taking up your cross and following him being yeah. prepared to go all the way. Yeah. And obviously self-denial is at the center of that, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Denying yourself. Why? Because there's a worthy life waiting for us and there's a higher calling that we've been summoned to. And, uh, I was doing some study uh, this this week on, again, what does it mean to be part of the church? And it's a gathering of those who have been called out or summoned together and to actually introduce and implement what the culture of the new kingdom looks like. So whether you like it or not, if you want to be part of Jesus' body, the church, it's going to cost us. Um, but when you think of the outcome of hard work, like when I get on the elliptical, first 10 minutes, I'm my body's saying, this is not worth it. Get off. Get off. Louder, louder. But by the 13th minute, I get into a zone. And after 20 to 30 minutes, I'm glad I did this. So never be uh, hesitant to step into the hard work and the calling of Jesus to live a life that honors him. Yeah. And, you know, and when I, you know, devotionally, just to land from my end, Tim, when I look at a past like this, I say, you know, okay, there's this call to unity, a call to maturity. And they're called a nonconformity. Yes, we know they all fit together. But I say devotionally to people, pick one. Where's yeah. your growth area? Do you need to work a little more for unity? Have you let relationships slide? Yeah. Have you let your intimacy with Christ and your growth in the Christ likeness slide? Or have you let your nonconformity slide? Are you is the salt losing its saltiness in some way? And so I just say devotionally, you know, say, Lord, which one do you want me to focus on in this next week or next season of my development? Yeah, that's really rich, Darren. And I think that's a good place to land the plane as it were uh just just uh, we'd encourage listeners to get your bibles open and read and reread and soak in ephesians chapter 4 in the coming days and as you do we pray that god's spirit will awaken you 
and enliven your spirit to this this worthy life and this high calling that is ours. So uh, thanks for joining us. My name's Tim Beadle with my friend Darren Wright and join us in the future for another episode of Disciple Making. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.